Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the science of healthier animals. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. Thanks for joining me. Dr. Dan here. We're going to have a great show with Dr. Chris Reinhardt. For those of you that are in places where it snows, this is going to be a fun one to talk about. It's talking about prevention of cold stress and beef calves. And even if you don't live where it snows, it can get cold and those cattle aren't acclimated. It might be more important for you. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. With me today is Dr. Chris Reinhardt, who's a friend and a colleague over in the Department of Animal Science and Industry here at Kansas State University. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson from the Department of Diagnostic Medicine and Pathobiology here at the College of Veterinary Medicine at Kansas State University. And Chris, thanks for being on the show. It's a great day, Doc. It always is a great day. And we're thankful for you all to watch Doc Talk. And we're going to talk about cold stress in calves. And I'll take the first segment. and. We're going to kind of tag team this today. I'll talk about the little ones, and then we'll get Dr. Reinhardt involved with the feeder calves and the cows and, and, and others. But, you know, when we start out and that baby calf hits the ground, you know, a lot of times we calve in, in the time of year where we still have snow on the ground and, and, and we can get cold stress in those baby calves. And, and the one thing I never really knew, you know, the easy way to diagnose cold stress in a calf, I mean, granted, when you find one that's covered with, with ice or snow and it's shivering, you know that you're going to have a cold stress. But you can use a rectal thermometer. And if those calves are less than 100 degrees Fahrenheit, then they're in mild hypothermia. If they get into that less than 94 degrees Fahrenheit, that's kind of your cutoff with your thermometer. And some of your thermometers don't go down that low. You better get one that does. That's when you get into severe hypothermia. And, and that's when we've got to warm those, those calves up. But less than 100 is mild, less than 94 is severe. Make sure you get those calves in the, uh, someplace to warm them up. There's three ways to warm up baby calves. You can, you know, the calf of the pickup is probably okay when they're 100 degrees or, or, or 99. But if they start to drop in that severe, then we're talking about warming blankets, we're talking about water baths, or we're talking about heat boxes first one, the water bath, if you're going to run water in a bath, you got to make sure you prop the calf's head up, don't let him drown, uh, and then you want the water to be around 100 degrees Fahrenheit. The thing I don't like about water baths, if you're going to use a water bath, put a water bath out in the calving barn, okay? I, I see people that bring calves into their home, put them in a bathtub, and we actually had a young child that, that died due to this because they put a calf to warm him up in the bathtub. Calf had salmonella. You get salmonella in the bathtub, the young child took a bath the next night, drank some of the water, got a multi-drug resistant salmonella. So if you're gonna use a water bath, do that. We use the warming blankets. You wanna make sure you don't burn the calf, you don't have the blankets too hot. If you're gonna use a hot box or a heat box, keep that box at 105, 108, and make sure you have ventilation, because if you don't have good ventilation and air moving through, you can get hot pockets there in those, in those uh, uh, boxes. So clean out the box between calves so you don't have diarrhea or, or different things pass between the calves. And then once you get them warmed up, then we're going to want to make sure you get colostrum in those calves. Or maybe you want to put colostrum in those calves before. But the key to neonates, whether it's a puppy, a kitten, or a uh, calf, when it's cold stress, Fluids and warmth, fluids and warmth. Two major things with those, starting those calves. We're off, to, we're off and running, 
We're going to come back. We're going to get Dr. Reinhardt involved, uh, talk about feedlot and cows uh, cold stress. Thanks for joining us on Doc Talk. We'll be back after these messages. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. We're here with Dr. Chris Reinhardt, who is the Kansas Beef Cattle Extension Specialist and, and does a lot of work with feedlot cattle, does work with cow-calf production units, works globally. You've been England, Mexico, South Africa, South Africa, Spain, Spain and Western Kansas. And That's right. <laughs> we spend a lot of time going to Western Kansas. I don't travel swell overseas, but uh, Dr. Reinhardt is the one that does a good job on that. But let's talk about cold stress and, and feedlot cattle, Chris. It's the perfect time to start talking, Doc. And as you mentioned on the neonates, preparation is critical. Because if you're going to cover this up after it's already a problem, we're going to dig a really deep hole. Right. And, and so when we get into the feedlots, we're talking about mud, cold, and water. It's easy to forget how important mud is in this problem. Uh, if, we, if we're out in western Kansas and we haven't gotten much precip, really we're into January before we're really worried about the real bitter cold coming out of the north. But if you've got wet pen conditions, it doesn't have to be all that cold to really put the hammer on, on feeder cattle. Yeah, and, and you, know, you start to see some of the things where cattle can, can freeze some of their hair coat to the ground and, 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 and then just trying the energy it takes to get to the bunk. And, and so cleaning those pens and cleaning those aprons, imperative. Cattle with dry hair, they're not really even chilly until down into the 50s. You wet cattle's hair coat and they start getting cold in the 60s and even the 70s. Yeah. Well, I do. Exactly. I mean, you start to think about it's that. And, 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 and so, you know, what are some of the things we can do with these pen conditions? What are some of the things management-wise, you know, obviously there's the emergency of when you have a storm to just push it to the back of the pen to give the calves a dry place to lay down and then haul it out later or redistribute it. But what are some other things we can do management-wise? As you mentioned before, Doc, it's all about preparation. We've got to go into the winter season knowing, number one, it's going to get cold, and number two, we're probably going to get some precips. So we've got to build up those mounds, be ready for when it does rain or get that freezing rain or an ice storm or snow so that cattle have a relatively warm, dry place to lay down. So building mounds, bedding, different things of that can be advantageous. Bedding is, is absolutely tremendous. One thing we forget about mounds, living in Kansas, we're known to get a little wind and cattle will actually use the, the, the side of the mound opposite the wind as a sort of a windbreak. <laughs> absolutely. And so, you know, and that's the other thing is to make those mounds big enough so that everybody can get on it because the ones that don't get on the mound are the, probably the ones that need it the most, the smaller calves, the weaker calves. And, and they're the ones that get pushed out of the bunk, they get pushed off the mound, and so if you're going to build one, make sure you build it big enough, just like you would prepare for bunk space with mound space. What about windbreaks? Windbreaks, from, from where we live north, I think are a really important part of winter management and preparation. Uh, one thing about windbreaks is you want to make sure there's a break in the windbreaks and allow wind to flow through them, but break up the wind to where uh, for the reason for that is if you've got a continuous windbreak, it's going to do nothing but be a really good snow accumulator. Cool. And so having some gaps in the windbreak, allowing the snow to move out, 
but really giving the cattle some protection from that cold north wind. Perfect. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more on cold stress and beef cattle with Dr. Chris Reinhardt. Thanks for watching. Folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Chris Reinhardt. We're at Kansas State University. We're glad you joined us today. We're talking about cold stress, and it's always enjoyable for me to spend some time with Dr. Reinhardt, not only talk about cows, but every once in a while we could do a little hunting and fishing as well. And so if you have any uh, deer eradication problems out there, give us a call. We'll come help. <laughs> but uh, um, anyway, when we're talking about wind protection, we're talking about, you know, one of the questions we get is, how tall do I build this windbreak? Well, the key to remember is regardless of how tall the windbreak is, the wind will be broken, in essence, five to ten times the height of the windbreak. Okay, so if I build a windbreak ten foot tall, I'm going to provide relief from the wind, then... Basically up to a hundred feet out. Fifty to a hundred feet out. Yep. And so that's kind of your gauge that of how far you're going to provide windbreaks within these. So. So if you build it 20, 30 feet, then you're talking 150 to 300 foot of, of relief. Exactly, and the other half of that is to remember, snow is gonna accumulate on the leeward, the non-windward side of that, of that protection, and so we wanna prepare for that too, because in the spring that means more mud. And these, these types of windbreaks would be important to understand for, for your cows as well. If you got cows out on the range, you're gonna build a windbreak that's big enough for everybody you're going to have to get it big enough to cover the surface area, not only the width, but the depth of, of the breaking of the wind. So one thing we talked about in the break that was, you know, you reminded me of, if you're someplace where it gets hot and humid, what, what about the windbreaks then? Windbreaks are great in the winter, December, January, particularly here in Kansas, come July and August, they can mean real problems for feedlot cattle. Yeah, we want wind, we want, and those mounds will actually, cattle can get up on the mound, they serve dual purpose, they can get up and catch a breeze in the summer, but, but the wind breaks, you gotta remove them. Exactly, so if, we, if you're living in North Dakota, year-round wind protection is fine, but if you're in, in even south-central Nebraska, on south, we've gotta have removable wind breaks. Absolutely. Well, let's move on. I'm going to change, change gears with you here. Let's move on to uh, talking about cows and talking about cold stress in the mature, mature cows. So when do, when do cows start to get cold? A, a cow with a really good winter hair coat who is dry, especially northern bred cattle, they're comfortable down to freezing point. Okay. And, and, and heavy wind coats, probably even comfortable lower than that. Yep. And so, so, really when we're looking at, at cattle in different areas of the world, you know, if we have a cold snap in the south and they don't have a hair coat, you know, even as you mentioned, 50, 60 degrees, those cattle can start to feel, hit their, their lower critical temperature or, or when they're starting to get cold stressed. Exactly, and, and that's where a, a, a career stockman is able to read the cattle and know what your cattle are prepared for. Right, and so depending on hair coat, we can have different levels of when those animals are starting to, to have cold stress or start to go between their, below their lower critical temperature. Right. All right, well, we're gonna take a break. 
When we come back, we're going to wrap up this discussion on cold stress. We'll finish up talking about cows, how to feed the cows during cold stress. We're talk Thanks for joining us on Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Chris Reinhardt, and we'll see you after these messages. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Chris Reinhardt. We're at Kansas State University where we work in the Department of Animal Science and Industry and at the College of Veterinary Medicine. And, and you know, when we look at lower critical temperature, and that's the temperature in which cows start to experience cold stress, the, you know, depending on the hair coat is really where that lower critical temperature. And I had a, a, a here a, a chart that shows summer, if, they're, if they have their slick summer coat, 59 degrees Fahrenheit is the lower critical temperature. If they have a fall hair coat, then we're talking 45 degrees. And then as the hair coat gets heavier, winter hair coat, the 32 degrees Fahrenheit is the lower critical temperature. And then deep into winter, northern cattle, heavy hair coat in the winter, then go down to 18 degrees and, and that would be their, their uh, lower critical temperature. So once you start to drop below that, then you start to have issues with cold stress. Exactly. So nutritionally then, how do we, you know, what's some rules of thumb or what are some things we can do nutritionally or what's going on with that animal that we need to be knowing about? To keep it simple, for every one degree below what Doc just mentioned as that lower critical temperature, for every one degree below that, the energy required just to turn the lights on and keep the furnace burning goes up by 1%. So it's a one-to-one -one relationship. So if we decrease the, if it's, if it's uh, cattle with just a normal winter hair coat and we go to 30 degrees, or let's just say we have a 22 degree day, now, now we're 10 degrees below their lower critical temp, we have to increase that, that energy, or she has to eat more to match that 10% increase in energy. The challenge when we get into these cold snaps is cows will lose body condition to meet that added demand for energy, and we won't see it for a period of weeks or even months, and all of a sudden we wake up one day and cows are thin and now we're in a hurry to try to get body condition back on those cows. So the value of knowing these numbers is when we get a cold snap down in the 20s or teens or below, we know going in we've got to increase the energy available to those cows. And I think it's important to understand that we're starting to hit that third trimester of pregnancy a lot of times in these cows, so they have a demanded demand on, on that gravid uterus and that fetal development. Or if they're a fall calver, now they've got cows that are lactating that are trying to keep that calf rolling during these cold months and so not only do you have the demand of, of the physiology but now we've got the demand of, of this as well. Lactation is a huge energy demand and to add severe cold stress on top of that something's going to give. Yeah absolutely. Well um, I think that, that when we start to think about this it's something that's a critical uh, management uh, decision work with your local veterinarian, work with a nutritionist like Dr. Reinhardt. Uh, thanks for watching Doc Talk. Remember, always work with your local veterinarian, and if you want to find us on the web, you can find us at www.doctalktv.com. Thanks for watching Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson, and I'll see you down the road.